you were handed a pack of trail mix on the way in, and that's because the message is going to be really long, and I, I don't want you to passing out. No, not really. There's a reason for the trail mix. This is one Sunday service. So if I'm going to speak the normal amount of time that I would on a typical Sunday, this would be an extra long sermon. And just because I'm talking about this doesn't mean it's going to be short or long, so just relax. Some of you are uh, in a depressed state, so uh, I'll just say this. Oh, wait. M I. M Y. It's O H M Y. Oh, my. Okay? So, uh, but anyway, one loud voice in the front, huh? Yikes. Okay. Ah. 2019 at Berean has been a remarkable year. I remind you looking forward to the new year that uh, next Sunday at 4 p.m. there will be a town meeting. It's, it's for information sharing. It's primarily about uh, the possible projects and things around. It's an effort to communicate, to, to, to field questions, answer questions, talk about the what, the when, the who, the why, the how, all that kind of stuff. And then on February 16th, Pastor Dan... Uh, our new lead pastor will be here. That will be his first Sunday. So, so even, even though we're out of 2019 almost, 2020 is going to be a time of transition as well. Let me remind you some of the things that has happened at Berean in 2019. Pastor Stephen was asked to resign. Pastor Steve uh, resigned and, and followed his heart to a ministry in Haiti. The staff was reconfigured, the, the remaining pastoral staff, based upon a, a long-standing, well-thought-out, prayed-out plan was implemented, uh, and uh, due to, to the passions and gifts, we reconfigured the staff. Pastor Dan was called as our new lead pastor. And on top of that, he had a full year of me. Okay? So there's been a lot of stuff going on. I understand that means you're glad I'm leaving. Okay. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that, in the midst of that, all of that transition, all of that change, all of that turmoil, there have been no coups, no splits, no power plays, no major decline in ministry, attendance, or giving. People have come to Christ, been saved, they've been baptized, they've been served, they've been equipped, enfolded, and commissioned. Worship, in my opinion, has improved. A few strategic worship center uh, facelift changes have, have started. From where I sit, stand, perspective, Marina is healthier, better positioned for the next chapter. God has been at work. God has been faithful. And we just sang about that. And we have every confidence that He will continue to be faithful. 
in the midst of the unknown, the unpredictable. I've said it many times, God has never asked my advice on anything. And he does things that I don't anticipate. And often I don't like it when it's happening. But when, it's, when I'm through it and I'm able to, to, to be fully clothed in my right mind, I see God at work. And you have to, individually in your lives and collectively as a fellowship. Later on, we're going to close the service with the doxology. So be prepared for that. And I, again, apologize for my voice. It's a little better than Christmas Eve, not much. And who says it's good anytime? But nevertheless, we are going to look at an Old Testament record of a phenomenal, significant event in Israel's history. Now, as we go to 1 Chronicles chapter 16, and I would invite you to start turning there and turn your device and scroll to that passage. We're going to read it in a moment. But there are no commands for us in that passage. There are no directives. Do this, don't do that. What we simply have is an accurate, from a biblical perspective, uh, recording of what happened. It's the second time it's recorded for us. Uh, in Samuel, it was, it's given. In Chronicles, it's given with a different perspective. So like the Gospels, different perspectives on the same thing. But in Romans 15.4, the Apostle Paul tells us uh, that we go to the Old Testament, what was written beforehand, to teach us. And in 1 Corinthians 10.11, he says we go and we look and we read and we ponder and we pray through and we think about it so that we will be warned. So when we go to the Old Testament, we can, we can learn and we can, be, we can be warned. There are things to avoid, examples. Don't do that. I mean, just by, not that doesn't say don't do it, but when we look at it, we realize that that's not a good thing to do. That's a good thing to do, that kind of thing. So 1 Chronicles chapter 16, we're going to read verses 1 through 13. I would invite you to stand as we anticipate what God wants to speak to us, the Holy Spirit, uh, guide us into all truth, and our respect and anticipation of that. Bunch of names here, I'll butcher them, okay? So try not to laugh at me, all right? They brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent of David that David had pitched for it. And they presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord, to make petition, to give thanks, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asap was the chief, Zechariah second, then Jael, Shimeramoth, Jeliel, Mathahiah, Elb, Benaiah, Oben-Edom, and Jael, they were to play the lyres and harps. Asaph was to sound the cymbals. And Benah and Jahels 
the priests were to blow the trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. That day, David first committed to Asaph and his associates this psalm of thanks to God. Give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him, sing praise to him, tell of all his wondrous acts. Glory in his holy name, let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord in his strength, seek his face always, remember the wonders he has done, his miracles and the judgment he pronounced. O descendants of Israel, his servant, O sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. Father, we stand before you needing you through your spirit to teach us. Lord, help us to, to, to learn what you want us to learn. Lord, you are in control then and now. You use people to accomplish your will then and now. Lord, I ask that you would protect these dear people from a from an erroneous interpretation that I might have or an inappropriate application, we want to hear from you. Thank you in advance, Father, for what you are doing, going to do in and through your word and your spirit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. This record has a backstory. The Ark of God had been captured many, many years ago. Some Bible scholars say it was as long as 60 years it had been out of the story. The Ark was just a it was a chest, two and a half uh, feet wide, two and a half feet high, four feet long. It was a piece of furniture that was very ornate, elaborate. It was uh, gold plated. It was the symbol of God's presence. During the days of the tabernacle, that very elaborate tent that. God gave the plan to Moses when he was on Mount Sinai. They came and built this elaborate and part of it was the furniture and part of that was the ark. It was kept in the Holy of Holies. It was seen in, 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 uh, only once a year by one person because God was so holy. It was the physical demonstration of the presence and power of God. It became something it was never meant to be in the mind of the people of Israel. It became a palladium. Palladium is, is a, uh, an object that, believes when, that people believe when it's there, they will be victorious in war. It provided protection. So on one occasion, they weren't doing too well, and they brought it out, and they got captured. They got captured, and it, it, it was taken away from them. 
interesting stories about uh, what happened with the ark, and, and, and the Scripture gives us some of those details. Well, when David became king after Saul, 40 years of Saul, David comes on the scene, and, and he wants to bring the ark back. So they start to bring it back, and they don't do it the way they should have. And a guy dies, and people are afraid of the ark. And so it sits around, languishes, and finally David gets his act together and decides he's going to do it God's way. He goes back and he studies and, and listens to people and who know what they're talking about, and he does it God's way. And they bring it into Jerusalem. The tabernacle stayed someplace else, and so it was sort of like uh, multiple campuses that we have today. The tabernacle was someplace. The Ark of the Covenant was in a special tent that David had prepared in Jerusalem. Jerusalem, obviously, the most important city uh, in the Scripture. And that's why it says they brought the Ark of the God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. Well, this was a great experience, a time of celebration, a time of great transition. Okay? It was a critical time in the history of the nation of Israel. They had had 40 years of mediocre to bad leadership. David now, God's anointed, was doing things eventually right. He, he fumbled, he messed up, but, but at this point he was really on, on the top of his game, obeying what God wanted, and, and God was blessing him and the nation of Israel. Critical time. Leadership at a critical time. Berean is at a critical time. So as we look at what David did, we have a few takeaways of what leadership should look like now for Berean. Understand the, the connection. All right. The first is there's an emphasis on obedience. Strategy doesn't come first. Personality does not come first. Obedience comes first. And so they brought the art back and they did it God's way. It's possible to try to do God's work, but not God's way. There are times where I, I'm convinced that I wanted to do the right thing, was trying to do the right thing, but it didn't work out. Because I was relying on my own resourcefulness, my own personality. We can do or try to do the right thing, but if we don't do the right thing God's way, doing God's work God's way, we will not experience the blessing of God. Oh, we may accomplish things, but not what God wants the way God wants it. David finally got that right. He had a mulligan. He had a do-over. He brought the ark in correctly this time. And then, as he did that, he presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. He led the, the, the congregation, the people. He was demonstrating obedience individually as the king, and then he includes everybody and leads them in these commanded, obligatory 
offerings. These offerings that were designed to draw their attention to God, to his faithfulness, to his power, and that to, to surrender to it. So he bought the ark in the right way, pitched it in a special, put it in a special place that he created for it. Temporary place because he wanted to build a temple, but God said no eventually. God said no, and so his son. And then so when, when Solomon built the temple, they took the ark from there and put it in the Holy of Holies of the temple. And then he leads the people. He sets the example, and, and the people follow, and he leads them in corporate obedience. That's the kind of leadership that's necessary in critical times. The kind of leadership that Berean needs right now. Second thing we find here is this odd kind of thing where after David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. He said, okay, God's going to do good things. God's on, on your side. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. Now, what was that all about? You received a little packet of trail mix. We thought about just a little bit. Uh, and you'll notice if you read the ingredients that there's raisins in there. So, so the, the, the connection is it's sort of kind of, not really, but a little bit like uh, David did. Why did he give it to them? Because there was an obligatory, commanded feast that was supposed to follow these offerings. So they all gathered corporately, and they had this great time of celebration, do the, do the offerings, and then they're supposed to have a feast. Well, they didn't pack a lunch. How are they going to do a feast? Go home and get your stuff and come back or go home and forget it? No. David said, here's all that you need for you to be obedient. And he provided for them. You see, that's what good leadership does. Leadership equips everyone to do what God wants them to do. We live in a consumer-saturated, characterized culture. And we, we, we go to church and say, what are you doing for me? Are, are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? Are you going to follow my agenda? Are you going to embrace my, my pet project? What are you doing for me? And that's not God's plan. God's plan is for leadership to equip you to do the work of the ministry. In Ephesians chapter 4, where the Apostle Paul is teaching about spiritual gifts, and he talks about pastors, teachers, and he says that, that God gives gifted people to his church to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. It's the reason for spiritual gifts. Good leadership prepares us to obey, not to consume. So, in about six weeks, Berean will have a new lead pastor. And inevitably, you will start evaluating him. 
going to happen. Ask the right questions. Look for biblical things. Is he scratching you where you itch? Is he supporting your project, your plan? Is he implementing practices and policies that, that satisfy what you want? Or is he leading the staff, the pastoral staff, to equip you for you to do ministry? Are you being stretched? Are you being challenged? Are you being exposed to needs? And are you given the tools that you need to do it? That's the question you should be asking of your new lead pastor. And I have found that you, the men and women of Berean, have lived up to your biblical history. That you are students of the Word. And I am confident that you will approach it that way. And when you start to slip, remember, look in the mirror first. And then, stand up and defend and speak and and champion equipping ministries, not just meeting felt need ministries. Because leadership in critical times emphasizes obedience, sets the standard, models for it, calls for it, obedience to God and His Word, and then equips us to be obedient. And then we have this these, these names, which I you know have really little idea uh, on how to pronounce. Uh, and but nevertheless, they're there. What's he doing? He's organizing. Good leadership organizes. In 1 Corinthians 14, verse 33, it says, For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. Where there is no order, there is no peace. Everybody's doing what's right in their own eyes. Boom, 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 boom. Wrong people in the wrong place. In, in, in modern uh, organizational literature, it's, having, it's not having the right people on the bus and the right people on the right seats on the bus. 1 Corinthians 14, 40 says, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. It's talking about a worship service, but it applies to the whole operation of the bride of Christ. A fitting and orderly way. God is a God who's organized. We need to mimic that. God is a God of order. In Titus 1, 5, Apostle Paul tells young Titus, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Get organized. Titus, lead those churches in their organizational effort. The leaders are appointed to lead, to serve. In 1 Peter 4.10 it says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. 
God has given every believer at least one spiritual gift. The spiritual gift is a supernatural ability. Now, how's the connected natural abilities? It certainly could be. But, but its source is the Holy Spirit. It's the motivation to serve God. And when you and I are functioning within our spiritual giftedness, we are energized. When I try to do something that I am not gifted in, spiritually gifted in, that doesn't mean I can't learn and grow, but when I'm doing it, it depletes me. It doesn't energize me. When I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, according to giftedness, I am energized and I see God's hand of blessing. You are the same way. There are certain things that you are good at and there are certain things that you are not good at. It doesn't mean you don't do the things you're not good at. Spiritual gifts is, is not an exit ramp. It's not an escape hatch. Not, you know, we're supposed to do the work of evangelists. We're all supposed to be generous. We're all supposed to be compassionate. We're all, all of those things. We're to help people. We're to care for people. And those are spiritual gifts as well. Some people just do it better naturally. And that's not true. It's not naturally. It's because of the Spirit of God. That's what good leaders do. They help people discern their spiritual gifts and they put them in the right place. And so you've got this group of people who are organized. Some are doing particular things relative to the, to the, the physical plant, like the, uh, you know, the tent and the ark and, and, and all of that, and others are doing music. J just for fun, this is not a message on uh, spiritual gifts. It's not a message on... On worship, but but look at this. Look at the instruments that they have here. And just just think about that. What does that mean? It means that their their corporate worship was loud. There's every reason to suspect that God likes loud corporate worship. Now, when somebody is 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 organized. And, and we see David doing that with these men. You're number one, you're number two, you do this, you do that, you take care of that. Let me just give you three R's of, of organizing people. Recruit and release according to the gifts and passions. Recruit and, and release let, let people serve where they're gifted and where they have a passion. If you give somebody responsibility, give them authority to do it. Don't ask somebody to do something and have them come back and check with you every time they do something. Recruit and release, responsibility with authority, and then report and review. Now, we have no record of this, but, but suppose one of these cymbal players didn't have any rhythm. And all these clang cymbals at the wrong time. Well, they give him a little coaching, and, a little, and it's okay, wait a minute. You, you, thanks, but no thanks. Okay? Because people, people who are, are in the wrong place are distractions, they're discouraging. So you know, everybody, everybody's under authority. 
Everybody should, should be asking for reviews. How am I doing? Organization. So Berean is in the midst of doing all of that. So expect it. Not only expect it, require it. Require it. So there's obedience, there's equipping, there's organization, and then, and then we have this wonderful, wonderful prayer of thanksgiving. Psalm of thanksgiving. David, the songwriter, gives them this thing. What does it look like? Draw attention to God. Verses 8 through 10. Give thanks to the Lord. Call on His name. Make known among the nations what He has done. Sing praise. Sing to Him. Sing praise to Him. Tell of His wonderful acts. Glory in His holy name. Draw attention to God. Isaiah 26, 8 says, Yes, Lord, walking in the way of our laws, we wait for you, your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. We want to be men and women who draw attention to God. Not to ourselves, not to our own accomplishments, but to God. And then we need to focus. Verse 11, Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. The New Testament believer focuses on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. We should, we should keep our focus on Jesus. And we take it, when we take our focus off of Jesus and put it on a pastor, we're wrong. When we take our focus off of Jesus and put it onto a project, we're wrong. When we Take our focus off of Jesus and, and put it on a movement or an issue, we're wrong. Focus on Jesus. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. And then remember God's works. Verse 12. Remember the wonders he has done, his miracles, and the judgments he pronounced. Deuteronomy 4.9. Only be careful and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them slip from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember God's works. One of my observations of Berean and wishes for Berean, desires for Berean, would be that Berean learns to celebrate better. Berean suffers from the same thing I suffered for for way too long in my previous ministry. And that is focusing on getting the job done. When that job is done, okay, let's look at the next job. When we do that, we don't celebrate God. We don't recognize God. We don't give God credit. We need to take a moment and celebrate when God shows up and does something. And that's what he's encouraging them to do. One of the great things that God does for us is God gives us people. And as God gives us people, He 
hones us. He, he challenges us. He stretches us. He encourages us. He teaches us through people. And in 2019, we as the church family said our final farewells to at least 13 people. The records I have tell me that 13 individuals from our family died in 2019. Joanne Davis. Andy Frazee, Kathy Capsico, June Kennard, Adelaide Miller, Jackie Montgomery, Joe Powell, Bob Rickle, Jack Robertson, Ann Stillian, Al Thompson, Steve Wordy, Margaretti Davis. Men and women who loved and were loved. Men and women who will be missed. Men and women that God used in lives year after year. For them we are grateful for God's provision and God's good gifts. God has given us gifted people here at Berean. I was here Saturday, yesterday, which is normal for me. No big deal. I walked into the worship center. There's eight people on the platform. Saturday morning, they were here for hours rehearsing so that they could lead us in our worship before God. The worship team. And that's only a fraction of the number of people who do that week after week after week after week. The vast majority of them don't get a nickel for that. Their own time. And you know as well as I do that the most valuable commodity in our culture is time. I was humbled by that fact yesterday. God gives gifted people. Now these people take the skill and, and they practice and they learn and they rehearse and, 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 and that's the same with all the teachers. It's, it's the same with the custodians. It's, it's the same with the people at the door and, and all the different people that make. See, nothing happens at Berean until somebody gives. Nothing happens at Berean until somebody gives. They give of their time, they give of their talent, and they give of their money. And without somebody giving, things don't happen here. God has blessed us. He really has. I, th I think of the, 
of the delightful decorations and Christmas Eve and all of that. And, and, and there's a guy here who's appropriately named Art. Who, who does that kind of thing. Been doing it for years. Not going to keep doing it forever, but, but we're grateful. See, God gives, and I've talked to Art, and Art understands, and he re makes reference to the building of the tabernacle. He talks about the fact that God gave those special skill gifts to those people, and then they exercised those gifts and, and created the, well, they made uh, the, the tabernacle. And he has a perfect theological understanding of, of who he is and how God has blessed him. And if you're not around here very much, you have no idea who Art is. Behind-the-scenes kind of guy. I, I, I wouldn't even begin to try to, to, to list the teachers that God has used at Berean and is using. The volunteers for students. Students go on a retreat and people go and cook and drive and do first aid and program and all that, just hours and hours and hours. You know, they, those, those retreats are not fun things. People go around the world. Thailand, Ukraine, Haiti, Dominican Republic. And they sacrifice to go on those experiences. Brian's been doing that for years. That's an example of gifted people who God has given those gifts, God has given those gifts to his church, and the church then is able to do things that it would never do otherwise. Let's make sure that we, are, that we remember God's works. And then the last thing is, remember who you are. So when you are giving thanksgiving, when you are seeking by the grace of God to, to move to a point in your life where you are seeing what God is doing and that you are genuinely grateful for it, draw attention to God, focus on the Lord, remember God's works, and remember who you are. Verse 13. Oh, descendants of, descendants of Israel, his servant, all sons of Jacob, his chosen ones. You're special people, David is saying. And you, Berean, if you have surrendered, humbly trusting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a special person. The Apostle Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We're chosen. We're gifted. We're called. We're commissioned. Remember who you are. You are part of the body of Christ, and every part is strategically positioned, designed, equipped by Jehovah God, by the sovereign Lord, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, the head of the body, you are here not by accident. Your involvement is not incidental. Remember who you are when you are giving praise and thanks to God. Leadership at critical times. Marines at a critical time. We can learn from David's example. He focused on obedience, his personal obedience as the leader and the obedience of the people. 
He equipped the people to do what they were supposed to do. He organized them in a meaningful, intentional, strategic way. And he led them in thanksgiving. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. 2 Corinthians 2.14 By the way, and this is for free, in a couple of days you're going to be in New Year's Eve events. You should bring to those events the fragrance of Jesus. One of my favorite authors says it this way, you should have the stink of Jesus. I'm not talking about being snooty and, and judgmental, but I'm talking about bringing the presence of Christ into those times of joy and fellowship and eating and all that goes with it. Remember, you are part of what God is doing in the lives of people. Your family, your friends, your co-workers, all the different kinds of parties that happen this time of year. You are to spread everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of Him. So as you are celebrating, I hope the Spirit of God nudges you and says, stink like Jesus right where you are. And then remember who you are and give praise to God.